back in 2010, 2011, when I was leaving one job that was pretty toxic for me, I was up to 250 pounds. I was just overcoming a suicide attempt. Um, my life crashed and it became a boot camp of self-discovery. I'm in the gym, super overweight for me in my frame. And it was about four in the morning I'm working out because I don't want to be seen by anybody while I'm at the gym because I'm ashamed of myself. And I see another guy too who's like incredibly overweight, probably like 300 plus, 400 pounds, doing the same thing as me. And the thing is, shame isn't a number on the scale, it's how we feel. And so I started saying, you know what, why am I doing this in the dark? Like I'm going to bring my story to the light, to the daytime, and I'm going to write my own comeback story. And so I did it for me and I didn't care what anyone else saw in the background. Uh, I would never want to commit to saying that I am transformed. Um, I'm always in a state of transformation, but it's just there are certain levels that I've reached where like, all right, this chapter of life, I've hit this transformation now. And now it's time to see, all right, where else do I go from here? Because I never want to just cap out on that. It's growth. Transformation is growth. You know, and I, I also can't take full credit for it. I can't say I just did it on my own. I had to be a part of it, but I also had an amazing circle of friends that I also had to seek out to be a part of this journey. And also, you know, I'm a strong guy of faith too. So it's just, I can't take all the credit. I had to listen to the voices and I had to be obedient to it. And I had to do things that defied logic. Because I'll tell you what, faith doesn't make any logical sense. So yeah, we... We don't just run one movie in life. We, we start and finish in all kinds of different movies. They're just different chapters. In life, one thing is certain. Time does not stand still. Everyone has a story to share. And your story is no less important than anyone's. Make today the day you move forward and take action. Don't let another day slip by. Your story isn't over. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Matt Gagnon, TEDx keynote speaker, mindset coach, author, rule breaker, and bulletproof optimist. Your tagline is live with a courageous heart, and you are all about your family. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, brother. I appreciate it. It's great to connect with you. We connected on LinkedIn, which a lot of people seem to be doing these days. And I listened to a recent podcast that you were on got to know a little bit more about you through that podcast. And I'm excited to have you on the show today to introduce you to our audience and hopefully share some, you know, good insight and wisdom of some of the things you've been through in your life to inspire and empower others on the other side. Thank you. Looking forward to it. So talk, tell me about Austin, Texas. I, uh, I've been there a couple of times. What a great area. It seems to be one of those hip, you know, cities in our country that everyone wants to go to. I couldn't agree more with you. I've been here now 14 years, um, originally from Maine, my wife and I, and uh, fell in love with the city almost instantly. Uh, I, my first experience with Texas was in 2002, and uh, I was an intern for the San Antonio Spurs. And so I was like, all right, San Antonio, pretty cool. 
I uh, got a taste, a little bit of taste of Austin. I was like, man. And then in 2006 was when I got an opportunity to move here for work. And I was like, this, this place is home. So even though we might travel and stuff, this is where our roots are going to be. Because there are other great cities out there. This city's great year round, all year. You know, so I love it. It's hard to believe it's part of Texas, too. Because it's so different. It is so not Texas. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, this is a great place. Music, food, you name it. Yeah, I was just going to mention the food is always tremendous. Mm-hmm. Every time I have a chance to, to go there on business. And what are some of your favorites there? Man, some of my favorites, one, barbecue is incredible. Uh, but there's like this one food truck. That's the thing. We make great food just out of the back of trucks. Um, and so there's this one barbecue place, man. And they make barbacoa, which you can't find very often. It's best that you not look up how barbacoa is made, but it tastes delicious. So uh, definitely one of my favorites. And then there's another place, barbecue infused with sushi. I mean, you name it. There's so many places. This is not where you come to go to a chain restaurant. You don't do that. Awesome. Well, thanks for giving us some tips about Austin. And as I mentioned, I had a chance to listen to you on another podcast. And there was one word that came through for me throughout that interview and that is transformation i feel like you're a living example of someone who transformed themselves right because of everything you went through do i have that right is that do do you feel that do you feel like you are a transformed man you know i think there are different levels and peaks in transformation uh I would never want to commit to saying that I am transformed. Um, I'm always in a state of transformation, but it's just, there are certain levels that I've reached where like, all right, this chapter of life, I've hit this transformation now. And now it's time to see, all right, where else do I go from here? Cause I never want to just cap out on that. It's growth. Transformation is growth, you know? And I, I also can't take full credit for it. I can't say I just did it on my own. I had to be a part of it. But I also had an amazing circle of friends that I also had to seek out to be a part of this journey. And also, you know, I'm a strong guy of faith, too. So it's just I can't take all the credit. I had to listen to the voices and I had to be obedient to it. And I had to do things that defied logic, because I'll tell you what, faith doesn't make any logical sense. So I put it all on the line, man. That's great. And look. We, you know, people should know, and I, I think most people know that these conversations are not scripted at all. You know, we, we were just having a raw conversation. But I knew just by doing my research on you that, you know, you, you have something in you. And, and, and I kind of tested with that first question. But, you, you know, you were right there because I agree. Transformation, we can't, we can't just do it ourselves. It takes all those life lessons. It takes the faith. It takes the friends. You said you sought out the friends. I mean, that's pretty profound. We hear about this today. Elevate your peer group. Sounds like you did that. Can you talk a little bit about that process process in itself? What did you do to seek out friends? Man, that was challenging. It was, it was seeking out friends that aligned with my values because, you know, I had some friends prior, but I was always working too. Like I wouldn't, I would say like, I didn't have a very tight circle of friends up until 2015. And that's when I went on disability when I was really sick for a while there. I was on short-term disability. It was the first time I wasn't really working a lot. A lot of my friends were peers and other friends that I had that were tight with me. They lived across the country or in other parts and we'd connect on phone, but I didn't have any community. And especially with men, I didn't have any strong male like friends in my life that would talk below the surface of sports and jokes, you know, and how the weather is. I just didn't have that. And I'm somebody who craves deeper conversations. And one of the things that really opened my eyes, though, as to why I need to get to this place to have these male friends is when my dad passed away in 2013, I lost him instantly, you know, to a heart attack. I said, I love you on June 5th. And by June 6th, he was gone. And that was a month after my son was born. And it took me a little while to realize this because I was really devastated by losing my best friend. And I realized the blessing from his passing, which feels weird to say, is that I realized he was the only male friend in my life that was really to the core. He was my guy. And when he was gone, there was an emptiness. 
And so in 2015, I stayed open to what could be possible. And I started reaching out to people in my community. I made a list of people on April 10, 2015. I wrote down a list of people that I said, man, these are people in my community or you know, outside of it that I respect, but I don't know them very well. And I just called and said, hey, you want to grab a coffee? I just, and they were like, what do you want? I was like, I don't want a thing from you. I just want to hear your story. Like, how did you get from here to here? And then all of a sudden their guard goes down. They're like, yeah, let's do it. We have these epic chats. And I had to get used to answering this question too. People usually enter the conversation with, well, what can I do for you? And a lot of people just say, man, this right here, this was great. Thank you so much. But, you know, I learned to have an ask and that ask was very simple. Well, who else do you know? that I should talk to who has a great story. I wanted to just keep it going. And eventually I found some people along the way that said, hey, we got a group that we meet like once a month, you know, guys only, dudes at different walks of faith. And then that introduced me to another group of people. All of a sudden I started forming a very tight group of people, like people who would change the game. And I also started going to coaching school too. And again, I found people who aligned with my values, even though different walks of life, we were all there because we wanted to serve others for a greater purpose. So yeah, you figure out what your values are and then you seek out people who align with that and they will support you even if they don't understand what you're going through. Fantastic, Matt. Let's, let's dig a little bit deeper into those meetings that you had because I try to put myself in the position of the listener, right? So I'm listening to you talk. I wanna know what's happening in those meetings. What are you guys talking about in those meetings? Can you share some a little bit with us on what would take place in those meetings? You know, it was me in the listening position. Um, being, being sick at that time, a lot of my energy had been pulled out of me. You know, I'd lost my hormones. I developed Addison's disease and that caused a lot of fatigue. I even had narcolepsy. Um, so I was in a position now going from high energy alpha male to like, I'm present and I'm just listening. And I'd simply ask them, like, you know, I want to know everything about you. Like, you know, I seem to really respect everything that you're doing in our community, who you are, how you carry yourself. Like, what do you stand for, value, and believe in? You know, tell me your story. Like, what are you most proud of? You know, and uh, those types of things really inspired me because what it did was we talked about adversity. Every single person I talked to had adversity in their life. And that was no different than my life. I'm going through adversity too. So I just want to know how did these people walk through that and get to where they are today? And so while I started seeing these people as like, man, these people have got it all together. You know, I respect them tremendously. Man, there were chapters in their life, just like mine, where everything seemed like hell, you know, and some of them were even going through it. You just couldn't see it, you know, but you couldn't only see the surface. So it was a great perspective that I got out of it. And I got to connect with people's hearts. And that was just epically beautiful. So yeah, it was a very free flowing conversation with no expectations, no agenda. And let's just see what happens. Curiosity became my new perspective. That's so cool. Uh, you said something else in there earlier that, that uh, sparked my interest. And that is many people have a hard time asking for help or if someone offers it, taking it right so when was that turning point for you to be able to say okay I could put my pride aside I can use some help I could use mm -hmm. you know uh how did how did you get to that point because people struggle with that I know I, it happens every day yeah you know it uh it got to the point shortly after probably late summer 2015, you know, because by the time I started my business and coaching full time, I was still sick, you know, and even full time, it was part time because I didn't have enough energy. But uh, by late summer, you know, I'm behind in my mortgage by six months. You know, I, it's not uncommon to have a negative bank account, you know, overdraft fees. Uh, my wife's still out of work. Uh, and I've got an infant son and I've got a brand new house I'm paying for. So we're not paying for. And uh, I had a friend come up to me and say, Hey, you know, what if you started a GoFundMe account? I was like, no way. <laughs> like that would be humiliating. People would judge me because even though I had all these illnesses, I still looked like an athlete 
you know, I was still well built. Uh, I could articulate things very well. You know, I could easily talk about what my issues were. And because of that, it was hard to believe that I was going through anything unless you could see what was happening behind the scenes someday, unless you were around me a lot, you know, I could mask it pretty well. And so, yeah, I thought people would judge me. Like, I still have a nice house, you know, that I could probably sell or something. I just don't think I'm worthy. And uh, I leaned into that. They challenged me like crazy. They said, well, just let us run it. You just send us a little thing about what's going on. And I'll tell you what, the moment that that thing was supposed to go live, my wife and I had to decide, are we doing this? We said, all right. And within five minutes, someone put, you know, 300 bucks into our account. It was just like that dragon was instantly slayed. And then there were people that contributed. I didn't even know total strangers, you know? And so I started understanding the joy and generosity that the generosity, that joy isn't just the, you know, you giving to somebody else, but your ability to receive and, and the joy that that causes somebody else too. Like if I choose for my pride to say, I don't want to ask for help because I don't want to be a burden. You know, I don't want to look weak, man. That's pretty arrogant thinking, you know, because you're assuming that the other person that you would ask for help doesn't want to serve you like you've already made up your mind what their feelings are going to be that's totally arrogant it's not right so you never know what's possible in this world until you ask for what you need i did that and it really it's um it helped tremendously it was very very humbling and i will say this full transparent some people did judge some people totally judged they came out they said what are you doing you've been so irresponsible with money in your past like you know, who are you to be doing this? This is ridiculous. It's not like you have cancer, you know? And I'm like, no, I don't, but I, I got other weird stuff like this is, so I had to, I had to stay away from that kind of negative behavior as much as possible. And uh, that was challenging because typically it would come from people who I was closest to at that time. That was really hard. Did that, did that GoFundMe page help you get to your next stage? It helped. It helped quite a bit. Um, it helped me keep moving forward. Uh, and it helped my mindset quite a bit. It also opened up the door to meet more people. Uh, so yeah, it served very, very well. But the thing is, is that if I just relied on that, then I was going to be in the same place once the money was gone. So I had to use it to shift my mindset and use it to fuel myself to keep building my business while at the same time trying to get healthy too you know, trying to do activities because I wasn't in the hustle and grind mode anymore. That's what got me sick. You know, it was grinding and grinding and grinding. I can't stand that whole like adage, like you got to give up sleep to make your dreams come true. I'm like, no, you need sleep more than you need food and water. So I focused on sleeping more. I focused on eating healthier. I focused on, you know, fitness and having a strong inner circle of friends and prayer time. I can control those five things. Those are my supply lines. I can't control much else outside of that. So I focused on those things. I focused on serving in my community. So that's what started to elevate me and my business started growing along with it. Wonderful. What do you enjoy, Matt, about being a mindset coach? I love the title of it because the, <laughs> the title of mindset coach is so on trend right now. So I started calling myself a mindset coach, uh, you know, but it's life coach, mindset coach, executive coach, whatever it is. The bottom line is it doesn't matter what you call yourself. As long as the person you're serving is getting what they need, doesn't matter. But for a mindset coach, for me, what that means to me is like serving people who are just in a stuck perspective and they can't see beyond themselves. It's so hard to do that. Like, I'll never get out of this job. I'll never get in shape. Like, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I don't have enough time, money, resources, education. I've got a family, all these things. It's just you pick one, and that's the leading perspective, and they're totally stuck. But they're asking questions about, like, there's got to be something more. I don't know how to get there. So I'm trained and certified in a lot of professional skills. But my passion is starting with you. Like, let's figure out what your limiting beliefs are. Let's find your blind spots. Let's figure out what your core values are. And let's build a foundation with that first. And then we'll build some epic stuff on top of it. So yeah, that's the biggest thing for me is helping people overcome those limiting beliefs and identifying their blind spots. Because you can't see those things. You only know what you know. And they're always, the people I work with, they're high performers. You know, executives, entrepreneurs. 
you know, they're the ones that have always been in go mode like I was, and now have run themselves into the ground. Performance is decreasing, you know, purpose and enjoyment in life decreasing, but they're also telling themselves this story too. I make a great salary. I have a steady job. Am I ungrateful for wanting something else? And what do you tell them? Absolutely not. Just because you long for something else in life doesn't make you an ungrateful person. You can still be grateful for what you have in that moment, but no one said you had to settle. And for, for me, I had a great six-figure income in, in my retail you know, career. It was awesome. It was a great salary. I should have felt grateful. You know what? It should have been a dream job. It was somebody else's dream, not mine. Just because I was good at a job, just because you're good at a job, doesn't mean that's the job you're supposed to do because you could be exceptional at something else. So you staying put in a job that doesn't resonate with who you are, you're not serving anybody in this world. Nobody. Because you could be called and destined for something much, much greater. And that's where you need to be. Because if you're feeling that, you know, if you're feeling that, that's a tug. That's some kind of call to adventure. Because what would happen if you did the one thing you think about every single day? And each one of those individuals, they wake up thinking about one thing that they would love to do every day. Job change, travel, family time, whatever it is. Let's figure that out. Oh, I love that. That is so powerful. So powerful. There's so many people. I, I mean, I talk to people all the time. They just feel stuck. You know, they, they're making, you know, a lot of money. Um, they feel they have to be there, whether it's in academia or sales or whatever it may be but it's not their passion. You know, it's yeah. not their passion. Um, I'm curious as to the process of helping someone through that. So let's take an example. Um, you know, you have the person out there who, who, who has a great salary. They're not happy, but can that person have a side hustle? Can they gradually get their way into what they love to do on a day-to-day basis? Or are you saying there should be a clean break? What's your, what's your thought process? <laughs> your journey is your journey. You know? And so whether it's the clean break or it's the gradual side hustle, but you got to start asking yourself this one thing. And I, and I think sometimes it's easiest to use my own story because uh, I do believe in this. I can only take a client as deep as I've been willing to take myself. And so you know, my own story was I started the side hustle of coaching, you know, I'm working 70, 80 hours a week. And then I'm doing coaching sessions, you know, nights and weekends whenever I could. And I was okay with that, because that side hustle, those extra hours were not a hamster wheel, but it was taking me in a new direction. So it was worth the extra time. I was cool with that. You know, I make a little money here and there. I'm still investing weekends in a coaching school. But man, by the time like I'm halfway through that school, I'm kicking and screaming because my health is declining. I'm not making the money I want to in coaching to go full time. And then it was a clean break. I got sick. (laughs) I had to make a choice. And I threw myself right into it. That was a step in faith for sure. And you don't know how creative and resourceful you are until you're broke. Not poor. Poor is a mindset. But broke when that bank account is empty. You start realizing what you're made of. Because what was I going to do? Give up? It was the greatest gift I ever had. And I've seen it be a, a great gift to other people too. I've had some clients come to me and they say, well, I got a great job right now. Got some money in the bank, some great savings. I don't know if I want to make that leap into this business I've designed. You know, I've got an LLC. I've got a business plan, everything together. I just don't know. I really want to make sure that it's going to be, that it's going to be a big win. I'm like, you want to guarantee? You're waiting for that perfect moment. I was like, you better get used to waiting. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. And they started looking at me kind of angry. And I, I looked right at him. I said, maybe you're not desperate enough yet to make that leap. What's going to happen if you get sick? What's going to happen if you lose all that money, your job? Maybe someone in your family passes away. Whatever happens, maybe you're not desperate enough yet. And that pissed him off a little bit, you know, but sometimes coaching is about being fierce from a place of love and not judgment, but you got to call things forth. And I had people call those things out with me because in that moment I was desperate too, but I couldn't run my business from a desperation perspective or mindset. Everyone would be able to feel that. No one would want to work with me. 
So I do agree that the challenge, you know, the, the course that you take is your course. Not everybody needs to take mine and you can't compare it to somebody else's. You can be inspired by it. You can learn lessons from them. But at the end of the day, you have to make the choices. As your coach, I can't tell you what to do. I'll challenge you. I'll call out the stuff that you have inside you that might conflict with what you're saying. <laughs> you might be saying, hey, I can't make this leap. But every energy that you're putting out there is saying you can. Like, there's all these different things. My job is to call it out and help support you in that journey either way. I, I'm going to respect you no matter what direction you go in. So I'm going to make sure that that choice aligns with your values and what you're feeling right here. Wow. I love your energy. I love your confidence. It's, it's really coming through. And um, what I would like to know is, what, before you were a coach, did you feel the same that you do today in how you're projecting just our conversation right now, right? Like there's so much conviction there. Did you have that before? I mean, I, you were probably a tough, you know, great salesperson, you know, in, in the industry you were in, but <laughs> tell me the difference. You know, uh, the difference is, you know, in my, my retail career, I'm 15 years of that. Most of it was in leadership. You know, I wasn't really involved in the sales process. Uh, I, I led leaders who led leaders, you know, so I had territory across the country. And so my specialty was uh, developing and training great talent, you know, while also delivering, you know, exceeding revenue goals every year. But I did that by investing in talent. I put my people first. If they were on the right track, if they were happy, man, the revenue results just came right after. That was the end result. So that part of serving and bringing out the best in people has always been there. It was even there in high school as a peer mediator, serving other people. But it was how I did it that has evolved over time. In my 20s, in my teens, I served people from a place of trying to rescue. You know, rescue people, take on their troubles. You know, I made it very personal and it, and it would be toxic sometimes. And not everybody wants to be helped, you know, but if I saw the potential in you, I'd put everything into it. So it was very unhealthy. Other times in my corporate career, especially in my mid to late 20s, I was just being a parrot of what my boss was doing. Oh, this is the way my boss leads. I'll lead the same way. It made me successful, but it didn't help me thrive as a leader. And there's some stuff there that I really had to work through about there were times where I wasn't the, the leader that my teams needed sometimes because I was trying to lead like somebody else and their value system. And it wasn't good. And I've had to make a lot of peace with that. And so I'm blessed that I had some great teammates that I've been able to go back to and, and they don't notice it as much as I feel it. They were like, no, we loved working with you. And I'm like, I could have been better, but that doesn't serve me or anyone else for me to carry that. When I started doing this on my own, I started embracing who I am and my flaws and my gifts, everything. And I brought them all to the table to be a teacher, mentor, guide, coach, just a servant in this world. And that's where the game changed. And coaching school really helped elevate that in me. Like my peers, man, they called me out. They were like, when are you going to show up bigger in life? Like, when are you actually going to take that throne in your own life and actually own who you are and start showing up in a bigger way. Cause every time you get big, you shrink yourself and get a little smaller. So I was like, damn it. You know? And so they were right. And that's been a wild journey about owning it and stepping up and not going into that line of arrogance, but staying in that place of just like, confidently wanting to serve and believing in who I am and also always willing to learn from that too, to also own when I've not done things right, you know, because I've mentioned it before to people and I've heard it somewhere. I don't know where it comes from, but being a person of valor doesn't mean you're always doing things right. It means that you'll never stop trying to make things right. And that's where I've been. I've made a ton of mistakes, man. I've failed. I've done stuff I'm really not proud of but I'll never stop trying to make it right. Fantastic. Matt, um, you and I are similar in that we both want to be of service to others. You've said it now several times in this conversation. For people that are listening, 
that really do not know what that means? Can you please explain it? And is it a mindset thing? Because it was for me, like once I, I, of course I heard it before, but once I learned what it meant to be of service, everything changed. Love to hear that. Yeah. So for me, there's two perspectives around serving and it's the purpose behind it. It's your motivation behind it that defines everything. And so for me, it was, I've learned that when I'm in an unhealthy place in life and I have a poor mindset and I have a mindset driven by limiting beliefs, I will serve other people for a narcissistic purpose because I want to feel needed and loved. Um, I, I just want you to have to have me around. I can make you feel better because that makes me feel better. That's not cool. And when I'm in a best, my best place, when I'm not listening to those voices, I'm serving from a place of purpose, from a sense of calling. It's not about me at all. It is my choice to serve and be there for somebody else that doesn't want to be rescued, but is looking for a way forward. And I'm all in. It's just driven by purpose. And that's why I have a life purpose statement. That's where the whole courageous heart comes from is owning that identity. And that purpose statement is I am the courageous heart that fiercely beats to empower the hurt, broken and lost. I want to create that space for people who feel beaten and broken down in a place where they can heal, where they can be vulnerable and then they be their champion. And so they can go on and be their own champion again. No one in this world should ever feel alone. Dude, that is so amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I knew it would be. Okay, so I wanted to transition somewhere, and I, I was excited to get to this point with you. So I interviewed this guy, Peter Sage. He's originally from the UK, and he's like, he worked with Tony Robbins, and he's a you know, pretty you know, phenomenal coach in his own right. Um, but he, when, when we talked, when we had a conversation, he talked about life as being a movie, okay? And he's like, just, you know, of course, I can't do as good a job as he did. But basically what he said is, think of your life as a movie and you are the main character. Do you want to be the main character? Do you want to show up how you want to show up? And you're also the writer of this movie, by the way, and you're the director. So you could guide this main character however you wish. Or do you want to be a bystander you know do you want to be a second in in the movie do you want to be someone who's just in the background observing the main character i'm curious about your thought and if we take everything you talked about today all those life lessons as you connect the dots backwards and when you were working in that you know wonderful job of of training leaders how purposeful was that to getting you to where you are but what do you think about that concept of really having full and complete control over our lives? <laughs> I believe that we can have a powerful influence over it. The control piece is always a question, but we have an opportunity to create or destroy our own paths and, uh, and definitely influence it to be the best that it could possibly be. There's no guarantees but you can do a lot of things that can help steer you in the right direction. I believe that we're sometimes in multiple movies at any given time. We are the main character in our story. And then in somebody else's in someone else's movie, we're the best supporting actor, you know, or we're just a, a, an extra in the scene, maybe, you know, so there are multiple movies playing and we're a part of those. It's a huge thing in our own though. We've got to own it. And there's basically what he's talking about is Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. I mean, every movie uses that as an archetype. Every story, book, you know, all of it has this hero's journey. And it all starts with that call to adventure. When everything gets flipped upside down, your whole world changes. The biggest defining moment is, will you answer that call? And if you do, you're going to go on an epic journey of transformation. And so I firmly believe in that. And uh, I also believe, too, you know, movies and that type of imagery is very inspiring to me. And that's where I had this belief of it's never too late to write your own comeback story. Like, why can't you be Rudy? Why can't you be Rocky? You know, why can't you be that miracle on ice? All those stories. Why can't you be that person? No one said that you had to be this like rock star athlete 
you know, or someone of the great significance or anything to write your own comeback story. You just have to have adversity and find a way to overcome that stuff. And so I'm a firm believer in that. And I, I remember that mindset shift back in 2010, 2011, when I was leaving one job that was pretty toxic for me. I was up to 250 pounds. I was just overcoming a suicide attempt. Um, my life crashed and it became a boot camp of self-discovery. I'm in the gym, super overweight for me in my frame. And it was about four in the morning. I'm working out because I don't want to be seen by anybody while I'm at the gym because I'm ashamed of myself. And I see another guy too, who's like incredibly overweight, probably like 300 plus 400 pounds doing the same thing as me. And the thing is, shame isn't a number on the scale. It's how we feel. And so I started saying, you know what? Why am I doing this in the dark? Like, I'm going to bring my story to the light, to the daytime, and I'm going to write my own comeback story. And so I did it for me, and I didn't care what anyone else saw in the background. So, yeah, we, we don't just run one movie in life. <clears throat> we, we start and finish in all kinds of different movies. They're just different chapters. Love that. What's the most epic event? Because we talked about a few of them today, but what's the most epic that you had to overcome? Well, first, when you said epic events that defined or influenced my life, you know, I thought about the birth of my son. <clears throat> but the biggest one that I had to overcome was uh, wanting to be rescued, being a victim. The moment I realized that nobody was going to rescue me uh, and that being a victim and kicking and screaming was just holding me back in life and also being angry at the people who wouldn't rescue me wasn't serving me because those were my, my closest friends, actually. Like, I was mad at the people who had the resources to save me, but the greatest gift they gave me was they didn't. And it's not because they didn't want to. It's just because they knew I could make it. They knew it. They knew that in order to really serve me, I needed to get to a place where I wasn't broke, you know, broken, but I would be broken open. And by being broken open, I got to, to really tap into what I was capable of. And I never would have got there unless I was stretched, you know, by my friends and by those closest to me, by my faith, by my, my wife, all of those things. So the day I stopped focusing on being sick and saying, you don't understand, I'm sick, I can't do these things, to the moment I said, I don't want to be saved anymore, it's okay, I got this, you know, there was a balance between asking for help and wanting to be rescued, big difference. And I love my friends that didn't, I never would have learned the lessons that I did today if someone just gave me a giant suitcase of cash and got me out of all my problems or if I'd been given a magic pill that would have healed all of my Ill illnesses I wouldn't have learned anything I probably would have made myself sick again so no there's no magic pill no one's going to rescue you I did know that if I ever got into a serious serious critical trouble they would have stepped in absolutely but I wasn't even close to being that broken Matt, what does a typical day look like for you these days? What are you doing all day, every day for the most part, if you could share? Well, as an entrepreneur, I start the day usually in my luxury jet. And I, you know, I think uh, entrepreneurship is pretty interesting. I think we've, we've done a disservice to people on how we glorify entrepreneurship. And you see people in front of fancy cars, beautiful places. And I'm like, it's not like that. You know, there's a mix of it. There's some beautiful things that I get to experience. And then there's some other stuff where it's like, this is a challenge. So it's a mix of everything. You either hear one extreme or the other. For me, look, this is an epic adventure. This is still stressful. This is still challenging. But I love my new stress. I love it. Because the stress I used to have in my past was just a hamster wheel. Every day was going to be the same stress. Now, whatever obstacles, adversity I have is taking me further down the line. It's approaching my destiny and what I'm supposed to be doing. I love that constantly stretching me. So my daily thing is I I've evolved into a morning person. Uh, I, I used to think I wasn't, but a year ago to this time, 
I started waking up at 4.30 in the morning. That was ridiculous. And I documented the whole damn thing on social media because it would keep me accountable too. I had a good friend who, you know, she totally inspired me to do this thing. I was like, all right, I'm in. And so I started doing it and it started changing my mindset. Told me I could do anything. So yeah, I try and wake up as early as possible, have that quiet time for me because I need it. I use some time for just stillness, meditation, whatever it is, writing. Uh, <clears throat> and then uh, I start having my clients, you know, right around 9, 9 a.m. I typically, you know, work till three, uh, working with clients because I like to be with my son. I like to pick him up at school and be as present as possible with him. And then I spend some family time. I might do a little more work on my laptop in the evening too uh, and do some more social media. And then, uh, you know, I have time with my wife and then I try and get an evening workout. I prefer working out in the evening. I do things that work for me. And uh, once a week, I take my guitar. I go down to a local pub. I play open mic, sing a few songs, have some fun, you know, because I'm doing things that fill my tank. You know, I create time to go see good friends. I see time to, to talk to people that are in my industry. I create time for things that are going to fill my cup. It can't be just work. And so when I do work, it's incredibly strategic and surgical, like decisive action. And so that's what I believe in doing. My, my schedule is sometimes fluid, not always rigid. It's intentional. You know, it's got room. Yeah, I don't paint all the way to my, the end of my canvas every day like I used to. I leave a little bit of white space in there. So if things don't go my way, if life happens, I can make adjustments to it. Unlike my past where I just run myself in the ground and the calendar would just be booked wall to wall to wall. My calendar program, my online calendar program, I put in those safeguards because if you were to call me and say, Hey, when should we meet? I'll be like, Oh, I have a session ending at two. So let's start at two. Like I wouldn't give my, there were no buffers in there. I can do it. Totally can do it. And then when that day comes, I'm like, oh, I'm dying here. So my schedule calendar won't, it creates buffers. You can't schedule something, you know, unless there's a 15 minute buffer before or after or 30 minutes or an hour. So, you know, my days are very intentional, but they're very focused also on family too. I need to have time with my boy. Incredible. I need to have time with my wife. Yeah, that's, it's incredible, Matt. I've learned a lot today, you know, and that's what I love about these conversations is selfishly, I learn from every single guest that I have the opportunity to talk with. And selfishly, you probably charge a good amount of money for an hour of your time. So I am, I am grateful for that this hour. Um, first of all, um, you mentioned earlier that you're a writer. I know you wrote a book. We share that in common. I, I am also a writer. Tell us, about, tell us about your writing. Tell us about your book. So I was honored to co-author a book. Um, and so I could minimize and say it was just a chapter. Um, but that one chapter, man, that was, you know, that was an emotional, you know, journey to write that. And it was the featured chapter of the book. And I was honored to, to share that book with uh, Marshall Goldsmith was in it also. So, you know, he's a legend in my industry. And it was just an honor to be a part of this thing. And just to also tell the story of how I got into the industry. And then to see it, you know, be appreciated by so many people also is very humbling. So it was called Coach Wisdom and uh, it's on Amazon and I just felt incredibly blessed to be a part of it. I love writing, you know, and that took me a while to get to. I, I was in special education for grammar and spelling when I was a little kid, you know, and I had teachers tell me that my writing style wasn't the way it's supposed to be. You know, you write like you talk. And I'm like, so, uh, and I've learned to really enjoy the process of writing. And that's why I use social media. I use LinkedIn. Those are all short stories. You know, I'm not just writing fluffy vanilla content. I'm writing some real crap, man. Like this stuff comes from the soul and it's not planned out. It just shows up that morning or that evening. Like when I write, it's because I'm feeling it in that moment. And I'm not looking for judgment. I'm not looking for perfection. I'm not trying to please people. I'm not hoping it goes viral. I just want it to serve. God. Great stuff. I'm, I'm moved. <laughs> I'm moved. And this is great. Oh, thanks, my man. Uh, music. We cannot end this conversation without talking about your music and how much music means to you and how important music is in our lives. Man, every, every life needs a soundtrack. You know, so uh, music for me is just, 
That's a value of mine. There's two values around music, listening and playing it. You know, listening to music for me is just a way to like be still and experience emotions, like letting the song, the lyrics, the chords, the melody, all of it take me somewhere. And uh, like I could listen to Pink Floyd's, you know, uh, Shine On Your Crazy Diamond, the whole side of that. And that takes me to just being present with my dad. Like I could feel him in that moment. It's his album that I that I have today that belonged to him. You know, but there are other songs like, you know, uh, Jeff Buckley's cover of Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen. I mean, that just uh, speaks to my soul. I mean, that was the song that saved my life from trying to kill myself. You know, I heard that song playing in the background and it wasn't necessarily the words, but it was the second half of verse one, which it says it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall and the major lift and the baffled king composing Hallelujah. And hearing that just for some reason said, no, we're not, we're not done yet on this planet. And it reversed my, my decision. You know, I have a value too with vinyl. I love vinyl music from 65 to 75. That's my jam. That's the best storytelling in music existed during that decade. Absolutely. It wasn't about singles. It was about an album. Every track was meticulously in place for a reason to tell a story. Moody blues, Pink Floyd, you name it. Those guys had a reason for why those songs were in that order. I love that stuff. I love the feel of vinyl, the sound of it, the jacket, everything about it. So I became relentless in, in searching for cool you know, vinyl. But then playing music too, that was a hard thing for me. I'm not the best guitarist in the world, but I'm good for me. You know, I've got, my, I've got things that challenge me health-wise to play, but I do it so I can sing. I can't do it today because I have allergies, but <clears throat> to sing, oh man. That was something I didn't really embrace until like, you know, a few years ago, publicly. It was terrifying. I could speak in front of thousands of people, man. That's easy. But to sing, that's a window in your soul, man. That's deeply personal. I don't care if it's a cover tune or not. I, share, I just sing mainly cover tunes. It's just how you choose to show up in that song to be so vulnerable. Man, it stretches me as a speaker, too. I do singing now, and I'll do karaoke to stretch me as a, also as a motivational speaker. It gives me more range. It helps me, you know, really explore you know, all of those emotions. But yeah, man, music, if I can put a little music into my day, it could change my entire mindset. So it's just a massive value for me. And it doesn't have to be for you, but find your own soundtrack, make time for it, turn the radio on, but you got to find something that gets you fired up. Sweet. Matt, if you were to take out your cell phone right now, and call the 20-year-old Matt, 20-year-old you. What are you telling him? You bastard. No, that's not what I'd say, but I'm like, how you say that, though, like, that's, that's emotional. You know, the simplest thing would just be, I love you. Everything's going to be all right. And it's okay just how you are. You're going to be okay. You're safe absolutely safe i just want to love on that dude and just let him know it's okay to be who you are it's okay to feel confused it's okay to feel sad it's okay to feel joy how you feel isn't wrong you just don't have to please anybody you just gotta find your own way but that that guy needed a lot of love We touched on a lot of stuff today, and I have a feeling this is not going to be our last conversation. I hope not. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for this, Matt Gagnon. Um, I ask every guest one last question. You're still a young guy, so you have a lot of life to live. But I uh, don't know if you ever think about this, and if you do, I'd love to know your thoughts. At the end of the day, what kind of mark do you want to leave here on this earth? What do you want your legacy to be? Legacy. Look, I just want to leave people feeling like they were loved on, they were called forth, that I was able to serve them. Like, I hope that I've been able to unleash game changers into this world. Because imagine if you're limiting beliefs, like imagine if like Elon Musk's limiting beliefs kept him from doing the stuff that he does. You know, he felt so insecure. Steve Jobs, like those people. Every human being out there could just be one step away from being a game changer in this world. 
And so my legacy, what I hope to do is I hope to help people so it can unleash their brilliance into this world, whether it's something epic as a game changer or even just being a better parent or a better member in their community. That's all I, that's all I really care about. And I also want people to just see the mistakes that I've made in life and also know what I've tried to do to overcome those things and try to live a life without shame and just know that it's possible, that your mistakes don't need to be a life sentence or a punishment that you have to live with forever. So I hope that my own journey can serve as some sort of inspiration and purpose for people that there's a way forward in life. That's living with a courageous heart, man. Yes, it is. If people want to reach you, I'm sure there's going to be lots of people that want to connect with you. What's the best way to connect? Man, if you want to connect with me, you know, LinkedIn's my baby. I love being on that platform. Uh, you know, so you can find me under there under my name. You can't miss me. I got like a ton of emojis in my headline. Looks ridiculous, but I love it. Uh, you know, I don't even have a, a finished website. That goes back to how I was trying to be creative and resourceful in the beginning. That costs money. I was like, no, LinkedIn's free. So you can find me on there. You can find me on Instagram at Life Story Coaching or uh, at Matt Ganyon. Uh, so uh, those are very popular. And look, I'm pretty approachable. Like if you're serious, if you're serious about having me as a speaker to like kick some ass with your team and have a good time, or you want to explore like a serious one-on-one -on -one paid coaching relationship, call me. Look, I'll tell you, it's 512-541-6561. I'm bold. Like you want to call, you want to text me, come at me, bro. Let's do this. Let's start this journey. Matt Gagnon, thank you so much. Welcome to the American Real family. And we will be talking again very soon. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv, or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one -on -one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we could help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. And speaking of podcasting, our next course will be starting soon. So if you're interested in launching your own podcast, join me at Podcast Your Passion. I'll take you through my eight-week course where I'll mentor you to build a world-class podcast. I'm only taking on a small group of people who want to share their passion through broadcasting, where I'll have you up on iTunes and YouTube within weeks so you can podcast your passion. Click on the link below for more information. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you 